What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the College Underdogs Podcast. I am your host, Trey Smith. Today, we've had some breaking news as it pertains to the American Athletic Conference. I'm sure if you're listening or watching this, you probably already know. But if you do not, Commissioner Mike Oresco has announced his retirement, which will be effective uh, May 2024. So essentially at the end of this, I I view it as the end of this current school year, (laughs) you know, athletic calendar, I guess you could say. Um, And uh, got some other stuff. Going to give a quick hoops update, portal update, um, coaching carousel. um, And then if we've got time, I'll look at just do a quick view overview over bowl season. You know, I, I, so much has happened over the weekend. And it's like this week I've, I've sounded off on the CFP committee. Um, Tulane seemed to have zeroed in on a coach and I can't remember what it was on Tuesday, but it just seems like each day there's been a new, Oh, it was the, the, proposal of a new subdivision in division one football. So haven't even had a chance to really take in and discuss bowl season. And, you know, past two years, uh, I have typically done a bowl mania episode. What I might do this year, given the, the audience and the, the new sort of direction, uh, everything is gone this summer, uh, is mainly do one focused on, the group of five, you know, the American bowls and some of the other, there's a couple good G five P five matchups this bowl season. Unfortunately, bowl season kind of is what it is nowadays with opt outs and coaching changes and the transfer portal. So you just like never really know who you're going to get, but on paper, at least as far as the teams that are matched up, there's some good ones. And if I have time, I'll touch on it today, but if not, I'll definitely probably do some, some sort of bowl mania episode, maybe next Thursday before, you know, just before bowl season officially kicks off, which will be next Saturday. But starting off, little hoops real quick. Uh, This week, FAU had a heartbreaking loss, man, to Illinois. They played them so tough, fought hard. I think if you watch that game, you really see that, man, this FAU team, they're for real. And uh, I I see why, uh, let me say it this way. You see a team that has the potential to do what they did last year. I'm not saying they're necessarily going to make a final four run because once March begins, man, anything can happen. All bets are off, but this is a solid, really good basketball team. And as far as the American conference is concerned, like we need them to be good. I think a couple of other teams in addition to Memphis, who I'll talk about next, but I think a Tulane, a Wichita state can one of those, um, kind of sneak in as a third, dare I say, fourth bid. Um, I'm not as super tapped in with basketball yet, obviously with still trying to catch everything with football and staying in the loop there. I'm watching, it's kind of like I'm watching with one eye while I'm you know, mainly focused on the other things, but I did watch FAU Illinois. I did watch Memphis VCU last night. Memphis got a big win over VCU in overtime at VCU. Um, I really hope that sooner than later, that matchup will be a conference game. Um, But with the news I mentioned at the top of this show, we'll see. And that's what I want to talk about as far as with the new commissioner and what mindset they need to bring to the conference. 
but yeah, so as far as basketball is concerned, I know this weekend there's some good matchups. I think Tulane has Mississippi State, uh, Wichita State. I think they play one of the Dakota schools. I feel like there was another good matchup. Oh, and SMU played last night. It was a late one. I fell asleep on, but they had Arizona State. I just thought about that. Um, ah, they lost by two. Uh, who is this other? Oh, uh, no. Yeah, never mind. I mean, Duke, Charlotte, Florida State, South Florida. That's kind of the weekend lineup. UAB, Arkansas State, South Carolina, East Carolina. So, obviously, as we continue to get further away from football season, now there's always something to talk about between coaching changes, transfer portal, and realignment. Like, this will sort of be a year-round football will be a topic of discussion. But I should say as we get closer to March, the basketball stuff will start to heat up, at least as far as this show is concerned. Uh, And the coaching carousel news, JMU, hires uh, Holy Cross head coach Bob Chesney as their next head coach. Don't know a lot about him. I know he's had a pretty good run here these last few years at Holy Cross. I know he was a head coach at some smaller schools, I think two schools prior to Holy Cross. And so fits the mold for, for JMU. And I'm sure he'll plug right in and continue their success on the football side of things. Um, Memphis. Defensive coordinator headed to Mississippi State. That's another one in the carousel news. So who will Memphis bring in as their next defensive coordinator? That's a very critical hire for Ryan Silverfield to make. And uh, so we'll be keeping an eye on that. And then in portal news, man, I'm I'm not one of these like portal tracker guys. I just kind of see it as it comes through. And if a big name hops in there, I'll usually talk about it here on the show. But the main thing I saw was another UNT, I think, skill guy jumped in the portal. So UNT is taking a hit. And this is the second consecutive offseason or spring where their team has taken a very significant hit. So talked about this yesterday, how to build a G5 in today's landscape. UNT is one of those situations, man, where where. They've got to be careful. They don't just become the minor league for power five programs. And I'm not a hundred percent sure what that looks like for them in order to do that. But it's unfortunate because I think they had a chance to be uh, pretty competitive next year. Had they been able to keep this group together. Uh, but it also shows, you know, when you've got, when you catch lightning in the bottle, you've got to capitalize on it. And unfortunately, North Texas's defense just, for majority of the season was horrible. And, you know, and then you had some guys come on like Chandler Rogers didn't even start the season as the starting quarterback. So there's just some of those things that, but when you get that lightning in a bottle, you've got to capitalize. All right. So there's your hoops carousel portal update for today. And then let's get to the main news. Okay. Mike Oresco, he's retiring. First off, congratulations, commissioner Oresco. Um, I I can't think of a more someone who's advocated more for the group of five, even though he hates that term. I can't think of someone who's fought harder for the American conference and really all of the conferences in in this group to have a seat at the table. Um, Even the whole six, six model, like Mike Oresco was very critical in bringing that 
to the, into the fold when it was first sort of agreed upon that the CFP would be expanded. And whether you love him or hate him, whether you agree with his decisions, disagree with his decisions, like you just can't deny that he's been a strong advocate for the underdog conferences in college football. And it's a tough loss because I'm going to talk more about it in a second, but whoever you hire, like you would like to have that same type of dog in them. Like Mike Oresco, man, he's got that, he's got that fighter mindset in him. And look, whether you think it's corny, whether you think it's dumb, you know, his whole P6 campaign, Power 6, I mean, he was convicted in that. He believed in that. He stood by that. He, he could care less with the naysayers and the people who, you know, kind of made it out to be this cringe thing. No, he stood by it and he fought for it. And, you know, I respect people that have something they stand for and they fight for it. And that's what Commissioner Oresco did. Now, um, unfortunately, he was he was kind of a, a, a victim of his own success. And what do I mean by that is, he built certain teams up so much that then he starts losing them. You know, he built the American Conference so much. Like, it was never quite the power level, but it was head and shoulders above the rest of the, the other conferences in this group. And he built it up so much so that ended up losing teams to power conferences when, when, when realignment struck. And, you know, still now as realignment continues to run its course, the first conference teams rumored to be looking towards are the American conference. Unless of course we're talking the whole pack situation. That's a little bit different with the mountain West and how that might play out. But, um, I guess what I'm curious to know from you that's watching or listening, um, you know, what do you think Mike Oresco's legacy will be and should be? I get it. There's people disappointed in, the fact that he chose to raid the Conference USA to replace what he lost in Central Florida, Houston, and um, Cincy. Now, I'm still of the mind that you just have to give it time. Now, with him not being the one in leadership, you know, when I talked to him personally one-on-one -on -one, and asked him about what, it, what goes into that process of joining the American Conference, and he's like, you know, we don't force anything, but we do expect... Uh, a level of commitment, a level of investment. I don't know if any of you have seen today, but Army has raised, I think, $50 million to put into stadium renovations. I, I find that no coincidence that Army is suddenly rallying up those funds to invest in their football program shortly after committing to join the American conference. Like to me, that's part of the Mike Oresco effect is he gets programs to in, he gets universities and institutions to invest in their athletic programs as a part of joining the conference. Now where that comes back to bite you is those programs invest so much and get built up so much that now the big boys want to poach them. Um, and I think just this divide that's continuing to happen between the power five and group of five, he, I mean, I think he's just like, okay, I've, I've fought as much as I can fight. I've advocated as much as I can advocate. And I mean, he's in his seventies. I don't know if y'all remember, but back when all the realignment stuff was happening initially, like I was talking about that, you know, when, when, uh, um, when it was like, okay, 
Could this be like his, I was thinking maybe this would be like his final swan song of trying to get that power five status by merging with the four remaining PAC schools. This was before the ACC came back into the fold with the lobbying of the politicians and all that. And um, then, you know, two of them go to the ACC. And shortly after that, he announces the Americans not going to pursue westward expansion. And I get it. Look, if you want to disagree with him, not pursuing westward expansion, you want to disagree with some of his universities that he targeted for 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 expanding the last cycle and you disagree with the philosophy of you know choosing markets over programs right like one of the big things right now that's just sports irony is the fact that liberty a team that was passed up by the american joins the conference usa and in year one in the conference usa they're the representative in the new year six giving the conference usa its first ever new year six bid after the american conference just raided the conference usa for expansion so not only do they get their first bid but they um ended a six-year streak six-year run of the american conference getting that bid so you know touch of irony and i get it if 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 those who disagree with how he's chosen to build the conference. As I've said before, I do think that um, the part that makes sense, if, if you pay attention to realignment, the ones that survive are the ones that have ironclad media deals. And I think the, th- the thought process was basically, look, if we want to continue to have an ironclad quality uh, media deal, you know, we need to make sure that we're in markets that are up- appealing to the networks. And obviously he had strong relationship with CBS from his prior time. But then here recently, he has a really good relationship with ESPN. I wonder how's that going to impact things, you know? um, So, yeah, so those are just some of my thoughts. Uh, I think, you know, another positive thing that he's done for the American conference is again, say what you want about him, but the AAC, even in a down year, still is in the middle of the top premier media agreement amongst all the G5 conferences. It's the most revenue generating and based off what we looked at over the course of the year, I mean, it got most of the linear exposure as well. I don't know how important linear exposure is going to be as we continue to move into the era that we're in where it's, it's very much a streaming era. I think what we're going to have to start paying more attention to is what is the quality of the streaming product that is that is presented? You know, I feel like ESPN Plus, it's kind of hit or miss. I feel like there's some games I've watched on ESPN Plus and I feel like I'm watching it on ABC. And then there's other ones where I feel like I'm watching a high school stream, right? And so it's, I think what we got to start looking at too is what is the quality of product of, of the streaming? Anyways, not to go all into that, but yeah. So, you know, Love him or hate him. I think it is a loss for, for group of five football. I think he was a strong advocate. Uh, whether you hate him or love him, agree with him, disagree with him. But let me know your thoughts. What do you think his legacy would be or will be? What should it be? And then what direction does the AAC go for its next leader? My first thought, and I cannot find the current finances, but... I'm making a call. If I'm the board of directors for the American conference, I'm testing the waters on Gloria Navarez with the mountain West. Now she might have her sights set on something with the pack, but I know Oresco was making 2.2 million in his role as the AAC commissioner. 
I don't know what Navarez. I could not find it. The last salary I could find for Navarez was like, I think 300 K, but that was when she was with the West coast conference. Obviously she got a significant boost. I would imagine to be the commissioner of the mountain West, but I mean, is she pulling 2.2 million? You know, does the AAC have the funds to go get someone like that? Because I like the way she thinks. I like how she runs that conference. Um, Obviously, Mountain West fans who may be watching this would not like that, but that would be my first call as the AAC. Um, They'll probably promote from within. You know, I just think it's got to be somebody that's hungry. I think it's got to be someone that has, you know, a good foresight and a good pulse of the direction things are going. Because in my opinion, I feel like right now the AAC needs to take the Big 12 approach, which is... We're open for business. Like, let's go get a VCU on basketball. Let's 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 kick the let's kick the tires on Dayton for basketball. Let's look at, you know, who are some other teams, some premier G5 teams that we can offer a better payout to and long-term security to and more exposure to and like let's go get them. Um And I would even be okay, you know, I know it's a little bit weird now, but um, of seeing how this thing plays out with the Mountain West and then trying to build a westward arm of this conference, even if it's with the Mountain West leftovers, assuming some of the top tier ones get poached by the pack too. Again, there's still a lot to be determined there, but that's just my thought right now. I feel like to survive in this landscape, there's a strength in numbers game. And I think if you can... You know, I look at what Brett Yormark has done with the Big 12. He lost his heart and soul as far as revenue is concerned. And he said, okay, we're going to double down on building the strongest basketball brand in America. And he went out and brought in teams like Houston, right? Um, Arizona. And I, I don't have it all in front of me. You know, there's, there's rumors with Gonzaga and all that. I mean, like he's made that a priority. Why not do the same thing if you're the American Conference for mid-major basketball? You've already got the premier mid-major, one of the premier mid-major brands in all of college. And when I say mid-major, mid-major conference brands in Memphis. Now you've got FAU on the come up. You've got some other teams in the conference that I think have a lot of potential to be strong mid-majors. But let's go try to get some other ones, in my opinion. Um, So anyways, um, Whoever it is, I feel like needs to have a like attack, attack, attack to quote uh, Coach Andy Kennedy at UAB mindset as it pertains to this conference because if the conference is going to survive, there's got to be, I feel like, a national footprint and uh, there is a strength in numbers. So let me know your thoughts on Commissioner Oresco. Who should they be looking at to replace him? And what should the mentality be moving forward? And with that being said, that's it for me today. Thank you for watching another episode or listening to another episode of the College Underdogs podcast. I didn't say this at the top of the show, but if you're still hanging with me, please, please, please hit that like button, hit subscribe, turn on the notifications. If you're listening on a streaming platform, please leave a five-star rating and a positive review. And that's it for me, Trey Smith, signing off.